Welcome back to another episode of the RAG Report podcast, my daily bulletin show where I bring to you recruitment owners, advisors, suppliers, even investors to the recruitment industry around the world who are prepared to give up some of their time, share some stories, some ideas, expertise that we can all learn from as we fight this global pandemic. And I just now think the focus is more about how do we navigate this new world we find ourselves in? COVID-19 has thrust us into something that we probably weren't ready for, but now we have to be ready for. Um, and today I'm excited to be joined by someone I've spoken to on and off since the very early days of both Hoxo and the podcast. Um, I know he's been a, an active listener and um, someone I've caught up with a couple of weeks ago and had a really, really interesting chat with. So Ben Andrzejewski is the director of Umbilical Technology. They're a, an agency headquartered in Leicester where they focus on engineering innovation around Europe. Um, they've also got a, a life sciences medical focused part of the business as well. Um, but Ben's interesting story is that he comes from an internal recruitment for recruitment agencies role and then flipped himself into a, like a BD director effectively for going out into the tech market. So he's, it's, it's not normal, it's not the usual route that people do to get to director level in a recruitment organization. So I'm really interested to know not only how he's done it, but what life's like on both sides of the fence and, and what's going on for him now. Before I do, I just want to mention our sponsor, Rise Recruitment Ventures. Uh, these guys are an investment business focused on helping the, the startup community and the early stage recruitment agencies that want to scale and exit. So they've, they've been through it before. They sold for over 20 million in 2016, and they've now got the capital and the experience expertise to help you build a world-class recruitment business that can be sold in the future. So if you're interested to find out if you, you're the right fit for them, they are looking for investments today. Get in touch at www.riserv.co.uk. Right, Ben, welcome to the RAG Report, my friend. How you doing, dude? You good? Yes, I'm well. It's great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be on, Sean. You know this. So, look, Ben, uh, you know the, the format. In true RAG Report style, my first question is, what the hell is your life like right now? Paint the picture for the listeners. Try and give us a visualization of what's going on in your life. Yeah, uh, life's pretty good at the minute, in all honesty. Uh, we're back in the office, first official week back in the office. Great. Uh, me and some of the guys took the opportunity to, to get into the office last week and kind of climatize ourselves back into being uh, in the office with each other, of course, two meters apart. Um, but what does life look like? I think one of the interesting things I've, I've gotten from, from your show, actually, Sean, or, or podcast, I should say, is that uh, is hearing the different times that COVID started to affect people. Mm. Because the reality is, for, for us, uh, umbilical, we, we started to see uh, COVID-19 pop up and rear its head as early as January. Yeah based on uh, some projects we were working on. There was one particular project I had in the Far East. And then all of a sudden it was kind of all, uh, popping up in, in uh, Europe and we were having jobs put on hold and interviews post postponed. So we, we've been living with this since uh, the very early part of the year in some respects. But I guess what it meant for us, a pretty seismic shift in terms of how we operate as a business, uh, offshoring everyone and people working in dining rooms and kitchens and bedrooms and, and home offices. Uh, we had to rationalize the, the, the client base pretty quickly, understand who was still hiring, you know, uh, who still had sandwiches left in the picnic that we've oh, wow. to feed on. Yeah. Um, and then in addition to that, uh, took some pretty difficult decisions, but took them early and took yeah. them quickly. 
Um, more so than anything else, to protect the guys, the long-standing guys and girls within the business. Yeah. yeah. So that that's kind of where we're at. Uh, where we're at now, back in back in the office, um, finding our operational rhythm again, which is which has been great. So yeah, life's pretty good at the minute. Sun's shining outside, so can't complain. Well, it's not oh semi sunshine. It was raining about ten minutes ago. It's one of them days. We've we've definitely lost that that heat wave, haven't we? It's gone now. Yeah. But, um, the what? sun always shines in Leicester, Sean. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, it definitely show, it shone in 2016, I think, when when you had Ranieri there. I don't know about anymore. Um, yeah, touchy touchy subject. I'm a Spurs fan living in Leicester. So that was oh. a difficult season. I bet, mate. I bet. Um, what what's it? Did you drive to the office today? Have you jumped on the train or buses or? Went to the office here. Mm. Uh, I actually cycling. I could walk in in like right. uh, fifteen minutes. It takes me seven minutes to cycle. Which uh, historically, when I used to do the commute from Leicester to London, uh, three days a week, um, you know, five-hour commutes split into two, uh, two and a half hours either side of the day. Uh, the novelty's still not worn off. Kind of being able to walk in or cycle in, run in, really? or whatever. So yeah, so walking in, a lot of the guys actually at the minute are cycling in. How many people have you got in actually coming in? Yeah, um, full complement on, on technology um, and, and also on life. So uh, circa 11 people, there thereabouts. And um, everyone, everyone was comfortable going back? Yeah, pretty. This is the thing. So I, I've, I've seen tons online at the minute about the office environment is dead. And certainly, I think um, one of the guys actually is in his, in his early 20s uh, had said he, he kind of imagined he'd always want to work from home. He was the guy itching to get back into the office. Um, so I think because look, we're, we're a pretty tight bunch here, uh, in all honesty, and we've got a great, you know, call it culture, or we refer to it as the code. You know, it's built on fun, positive, uh, positivity, I should say. So I think. The most difficult part about everyone then working from home was the fact there weren't those kind of touch points throughout the day of everyone being in the office together. So in answer to your question, was everyone comfortable getting back in? Yeah, I mean, people couldn't wait. I think after this second week of working from home, you know, the daily dialogue with everyone was, when are we getting back into the office? Oh, that's it. I mean, I'd say in London, I'm, I'm assuming from other organizations, I'm, I can only talk about my business, but there's, there's definitely the appetite is nowhere near there. Like the, the thought of getting on the underground is just, they're not, just not going to do it. Right? And, you know, in London, yeah, of course. we're such so big that the thought of everyone walking and cycling is a bit, again, unrealistic, I think. So it's, uh, I think we're a long way away from getting everyone back in, which is interesting. I mean, even personally, I don't think, I went to London on Monday for the first time into the city, first time in 10 weeks, and it was, it was dead on the tube. There was literally no one on it. And I got to Stratford, and that was the point where I thought, Stratford, I've, I'm sure I've seen a photo of everyone piling on. I was like, oh, maybe they're all there, and there was no one there. And this was like 8.30 on Monday morning. So, yeah. there, you know, the confidence to get on the tube is not there. And, and of course, I think, I think it'll be a long... I reckon we're a good few months away from anywhere near normality. Well, our chief exec, Paul Flynn... London-based, Chief, Chief Ops Officer, Lawrence Porter, London-based. They're coming up to the office for the first time next week. Yeah. I think, uh, I think train, trains, planes and automobiles to try and avoid the underground potentially. But they're coming up, they're, they're keen to get back into the office. Um, we, you know, we're very empathetic towards uh, how people were feeling, um, whether or not they wanted to get back into the office and how quickly. 
Um, this is such a, an unusual situation for us all to find ourselves in, and we're kind of dealing with things that we've never had to deal with before. You know, people's health, uh, mental health and well-being, outside yeah. of the fact that we're trying to ensure business survival and, and business growth, and that we're still here this time next year, as everyone is, is trying to do. It's a really unusual situation. So, I mean, we took quite a, quite, quite a few drastic uh, steps to ensure, I say drastic steps, we, we were very conscious, I should say, right. to make sure that we were um, set up and equipped for people to social distance in the office. So the pool table is now out of bounds and off limits, thank goodness, because yeah. I, I tend to lose quite a bit of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say that to the guys, although they're probably going to hear this. Yeah, um, so, so yeah, so we, we, we took, we took the, the, the sensible measures to make sure that everyone was safeguarded, um, you know, rotating lunches and things of that nature. But no, everyone's pleased to be back. I, I think the productivity that's come out of this week demonstrates that everyone's really keen to be back. Um, and I'm a huge advocate of the office environment. I think that buzz of a sales floor um is is key in what we do really um yeah i i genuinely believe there's two i've said it on nearly every episode i I think there's going to be two camps maybe three camps right and i think the polls on linkedin probably indicate those camps right those that want to be like you saying like the sales floor bring it back get it get it back to normal you got the guys that are going to want that split ratio Mm-hmm. you were like you know how do and they're navigating this ratio i think it's all about ratios and then you know how do we get 20 staff into a 10-man office over the week like that mm-hmm. and, and there's you know what i used to recruit into the change management set space back in the day um and i was placing people in london in the london insurance market in 2015 2016 when the cheese grater popped up okay. and and they were all in surrounding Leadenhall building type Lenor market uh, the Ger- all around the gherkin they're all in these older buildings going into the cheese grater and the price per square meter was like 10 times what they were paying right so yeah. they were they they all needed to have a space there because london insurance is very it's all about your status in the market so they had to have a, a one Lenor, uh, uh address but they couldn't afford to put everyone in so I was placing these change guys that were working out on ratios and workplace transformation. So how did you have standing desks or hot desks and how did you force people to work from home certain days a week? So I think an insurance company I worked with had a 330 man office and they had a hundred in, in, in Dev Square and they moved to a 180 man office in the Lednall and they had to keep everyone somehow engaged. So this was going on five years ago in other sectors mm-hmm. and it's going to hit all sectors now. Um, and that's going to be interesting dynamic. I mean, that's kind of where I think Hoxo is going to be. And then you've got the, I spoke to a guy this morning, just launching a recruitment company, no interest in an office, long-term, short-term, no, no chance. Like wants to get to about 10 people, experienced heads, remote, meet once a month for a big jolly up, maybe meet once a week in a, in a members club or a restaurant or even a co-working spot. But so they're the three camps, I think. I yeah, can really, I can really see that happening, and it it should impact the way you attract your talent. The way the the, the the kind of line in the sand, the flag you now hold, will enable you to go right. That's my talent pool. I think. Yeah, of course, but I think it's been like that for a very long time. 
you know, you talk about uh, millennials, you know, the whole piece about millennials. What do millennials look for when they're joining a business? Well, you know, there's this whole online journey that people go through that they weren't going through 10 years ago. You know, so when I was uh, running a talent function uh, in my uh, previous life, let's call it, they're, they're, the way in which I recruited 10 years ago was very different to how I was recruiting, let's say, when I joined and uh, helped launch Umbilical. Yeah. There's, there's this whole online journey that you have no control over. So graduates will go away and do their research. And so when you're opening a new business, as we were, as Umbilical, you've got no online story, really. You've got a couple of guys on LinkedIn and a LinkedIn page and a holding page that says website coming soon very difficult to attract talent because what they do is they go to places and seek out stories from other organizations or other employees going what's this business like what does this business look like what can they offer me you know so I think that's it's been like that for a very long time I think the difference now will be is um, is about the flexibility what kind of flexibility can you offer me because I'd, I'd be I'd per, I would personally be lying if I didn't see you know, over the last 12 weeks, did my personal quality of life improve, let's say? Yeah, of course, I was spending more time with my wife, waking up in the morning, getting to walk my dogs, and, uh, you know, a- able to go for a run in, at lunchtime or af- at the end of the day. And you know what? I'd maybe pick up my, my laptop uh, in the evening and, and complete what I was doing at 5.30, yeah. for example. So I think what this situation has, has taught me is... Uh, a, self-care, really important. You know, you don't necessarily need to be in the office keeping the lights on. You know, there needs to be that, that line in the sand sometimes. But equally about the, the flexibility and the give and take. But that's certainly something we've always wanted to adopt umbilical anyway. Yeah. Which is, um, you know, the people in this business very much have a voice, point number one. Um, and our benefits package, you know, and I, I, I call benefits and flexible working, I call that benefit. Um, it's very much driven by by the people within the business. So I think um, you know if, if guys you know want to want a little bit of flexibility either side of the day, either side of the day I should say, um, it's about give and take. So I think going forward, I think what people will be looking for is what kind of flexibility can you afford me, which is something we've always very much been open to. But um, but I certainly think that the way in which we operate as an industry will be changed dramatically from the last 12 weeks, for sure. I'm interrupting this episode to bring to your attention our second sponsor. That's Odro. Odro is calling on the recruitment industry in, in absence of organised events to take part in what's called the Active Recruiter Challenge. The idea is that we'll all get together on the same day, Friday the 10th of July, to run either a 10K or a half marathon. Um, This is a combined effort from all recruiters to run from their homes and follow any route you want up and down the country. We're hoping that together we can raise money for a teenage cancer trust. Um, And in order to do so, we want all runners to contribute £25 in sponsorship. Fitness and charity, what a combination. To get involved, sign up to the Active Recruiters Club on Strava, then join the 10K or the half marathon from there. Strava will then track our times so that we can use them and find out how we are competing with our friends and colleagues. There's also a runner's pack with numbers and wristbands which will be sent out from Odro once you get involved. Finally, see Odro's Active Recruiters blog for full details. Everything will be shared in a link to this podcast 
So I think um, you know if, if guys you know want to want a little bit of flexibility either side of the day, either side of the day I should say um, it's about give and take. So I think going forward, I think what people will be looking for is what kind of flexibility can you afford me, which is something we've always very much been open to. But um, but I certainly think that the way in which we operate as an industry will be changed dramatically from the last twelve weeks for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent. So let's go back a little bit then and find out a bit more about that move from you. So you spent a long time building out uh, recruitment teams, right? Was it Cordant you were at for a while? And yeah. So so I I joined a business many moons ago uh, called Prime Time Recruitments, uh, which was based at the Walker Stadium, and uh, like most people, fell into recruitments. I mean, I was a bit of a naughty boy and got kicked out of university. Really? Uh, yeah, we won't go there, but just <laughs> just kind of, just kind of did what young guys do, right? You got, um, me, you got me intrigued, but I won't pro- I won't push push. Yeah, it. well, put it put it this way, Sean. I did a nursing degree, and I chose my uh, my degree based on reasons you just shouldn't ever choose a degree on anyway. But we were, as I said, we'll, we'll kind of yeah. leave that there. But I went to university and got kicked out. The reality was, I was I was actually promoting club nights at the time. And so I was getting paid a bursary of, say, £500 a month um, to work on the wards pretty much full time. And then I'd probably be earning that from a night at the weekend. So obviously one started to take precedence over the other. So anyway, I kind of uh, left university, although it wasn't my choice, and continued to to promote club nights and, and whatnot over the course of about 18 months. And decided that, you know what, I'm... I, I, I want a career. I've always been quite career focused or, or certainly always envisaged myself working in business despite doing a nursing degree. So fell into recruitment, joined a business called Primetime Recruitment and was recruiting sales professionals across the East Midlands and had some success and was really supported by a guy called Sean Simmons at the time um, who kind of championed me and I progressed. I know Sean. Yeah, Sean's a good yeah. guy, really good guy. Still, still very much in touch with Sean. And um, kind of progressed quite quickly. Went from consultancy and consultant branch manager. Hated being a branch manager. Uh, was like 24 years of age. Wasn't particularly good at it either. You know, didn't have enough experience to fall back on retrospectively. So anyway, at that point, the Cordon Group bought prime time. Right. And they said, we've got all these growth plans, et cetera, et cetera. And I, they came to me and they said, Would, do you want to launch an internal recruitment function? I'd always had a knack of finding candidates. That, that was always my thing, you know, good candidates, obscure skill sets. I always had them in my, my candidate box as it was at that time. So, yeah, so I uh, started off um, doing that for prime time. It then went across to uh, the other brands within the recruitment business and then the team grew. And then I exited Cordant uh, kind of 13 years later as the head of the talent for the group. And I was also involved with the facility management part of the business as well. Built some sales academies and did some pretty cool stuff over that time. But um, it was time; it was definitely time for me to leave. So I reached out to, to Paul, um, Paul Flynn. I saw he posted something on LinkedIn. So the, the kind of the connecting part of this story is that Paul sold his old business that he had with his business partner, Mark Sanofsky, sold it to Corden. Yeah. 
I then got really heavily involved uh, with that business and with a guy called Jack Shadwell, who's yeah. a, a cool dude. Um, and Sid Barnes, actually, as well, who we yeah. had a few weeks ago. So I was involved with, uh, with staff group and Eurostaff for a period of time and kind of saw the business that Paul and Mark had built and saw firsthand the kind of business that they, they, they ran and was really very impressed. And so decided it was time for me to, to move on from Cordant and interviewed with a number of people and didn't really, didn't feel like I'd found my home. And then reached out to Paul and Paul said, uh, think about opening this business called Umbilical, it's going to be life sciences and then further down the line, move into different markets, technology, advanced, etc. It's like, great, sounds awesome. And he turned around and went, oh yeah, and by the way, it's based in Leicester. I'm like, what? <laughs> You're kidding. So for like 10 years, I've been traveling to Manchester and London and Bristol and all over the country. And he's going, oh yeah, actually the gig that you've been looking for is in your hometown where you live. And I'm like, this, this is great. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I then met, uh, met with Paul and Lawrence and, uh, and yeah, that was, that was three years ago. So it was about the same time I started Hoxo, wasn't it? Like Almost identical. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, I, I, I met with um, Paul and Lawrence. We, they didn't have an office space in Leicester. We had to meet at a theatre called the Curve Theatre. And towards the end of the meeting, they said, hey, Ben, come and look at the office space. So I find so it's in a grade two listed building. And we've walked in and there's like six inches of dust on the floor. Dead pigeon in the corner. There's no walls. The, the, the mezzanine ceiling hadn't been put up, so there's wires hanging everywhere. Wow. I was going, yeah, this is going to be a training space. And Lawrence is talking about it's going to be, you know, connected office, smart TVs, and this, that, and the other. And I just had no doubt. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. You know, I think, I think a lot of people would have kind of stood there and been quite sceptical. But I think based on knowing Paul and seeing what he built previously, but also I really bought into Lawrence in that, you know, one and a half, two hour conversation. I was just like, yeah, where do I sign this? Let's, let's go. A message from our final sponsor, Vincere. Vincere, if you don't know, is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform for recruitment and staffing businesses globally. Now, I first heard about Vincere, it feels like a while, it was about a year or so ago. And this business came out of nowhere from speaking to recruitment agencies. And, and I've always asked them what CRM they use when, I, when dealing with them from a Hoxo perspective. The same players usually used to come up, but this word Vincere kept coming up, and I was like, okay, I've heard this two, three, four, five times. It must, it must be, uh, must be an interesting brand. Um, and now I hear Vincere almost as much as any other brand out there. So I did my research, and what I love about Vincere is they're looking to partner and invest in the same types of organisations that Hoxo do, which is the future high-growth recruitment business. What I call progressive owners. Um, these guys are putting a product out there to level the playing field and help smaller businesses and those growing to edge over their competition. Um, it's, it's proven to be a disruptor in the space. Um, more and more people are using this, this software globally. They recently broke into the G2 crowd's momentum grid as the market leader on stellar reviews from users. So the, the, the recruiters that are using Vincere are raving about it. They've got five global offices headquartered in Vietnam. So they, if you've got uh, an office anywhere in the world, they've got this follow the sun methodology. So the support is absolutely top notch. Um, and also by sponsoring the RAG, they're giving a unique offer to our listeners. So if you're listening 
um, and you want to get involved, go to Vincere's, V-I-N-C-E-R-E dot I-O forward slash rag, where they're going to be offering you a unique exclusive deal because you listen to the rag podcast. Get in touch today. It's going to be, you know, connected office, smart TVs, this, that, and the other. And I just had no doubt. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board. You know, I think, I think a lot of people would have kind of stood there and been quite sceptical. But I think based on knowing Paul and seeing what he built previously, but also I really bought into Lawrence in that, you know, one and a half, two hour conversation. I was just like, yeah, where do I sign this? Let's, let's go. Sounds awesome. So moving into the, like the, the, the market recruitment from spending a lot of time internally focused, what was, the, yeah. what was the initial days like for you? How did you adapt to that? Well, it didn't, it didn't happen immediately. I joined as talent director. Right, okay. Um, and so joined in May. Then we opened our office officially in September. And I've got a couple of mates who run marketing agencies in Leicester. Yeah. And I kind of just reached out to them and said, have you got any vacancies that need filling? Just to kind of grease the wheels early, early days. Like these, these aren't big fees, by yeah, the way. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. like serious mates rates. And so... Um, I said to Lawrence and Paul, look, I've got a couple of vacancies, I'm going to crack on, you know, on the side. So did that, so kind of filled a couple of perm vacancies alongside the talent bit. And then I went to, uh, I went to Australia uh, with my wife for Christmas and New Year. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. And we actually ended up on the roof at Terrace in Sydney at Charles House Recruitment. My wife's best friend works there. Yeah, they're a brand I've heard a lot about recently. I'd never heard of them. but they're... Yeah, so, so anyway, yeah, I, I'd never heard of them either. But then rocked up in Australia and it's New Year's and I'm on their roof terrace. Sounds drinking, pretty cool. Drinking champagne, looking over the Sydney Harbour. It's like, this is pretty cool. Yeah, life's so nice. I got to, yeah, looked out massively. So I got talking to a guy there. He was their uh, chief ops officer. And I said, oh, I work in recruitment. He's like, what do you do? I said, oh, I work in talent. And he was surprised. He was like, I would have said you're a sales director, something like that. I said, all right, okay. And that just, I think that just kind of sparked something. I started thinking, and I'd, I'd, I was really happy at Umbilical, super happy, really happy with Paul, Lawrence, the support they gave me, and, and the, the opportunity was great. But I did keep looking over at the sales floor going, I miss that. I want to be involved. So it was, it was just total coincidence. I came back from, um, from Sydney, sat down. I wanted to, to approach Paul and Lawrence and go, I want to get involved in something else. And Paul brought it to me. He said, you know, what about opening the technology business? I think you can, I think you can do it, you know. Um, and so we started to talk about it and uh, we, we planned the launch for May that year. So 2018, I believe. May that year so we started talking about it in the background and I was kind of phasing the talent piece out so that I could hand it on to someone so May 2018 we we cracked on and yeah the rest is, the rest is history talent uh, talent director to technology director and, and but that's what I'm trying to get my head around what was the first few what was it what was the first few months like making that change after such a long time in in the talent role so sorry Sean I lost you there for a second what was the first few months like in that, in that move to a technology focus rather than a talent focus? Uh, it's difficult, obviously. Um, you're working in geographies you've never worked in, um, working in sectors you've got a very limited amount of experience in. 
Um, I get a lot of acting as if, I guess, in many respects. But I think where, where I kind of had buy-in, a lot of these larger organisations, invariably you get driven into the HR procurement, internal recruitment function. And I think where I had success or certainly got some buy-in was the fact that I kind of understood the challenges they were experiencing. You know, understood that, uh, you know, they've got agencies chasing them all the time or they've got uh, internal challenges with stakeholders. And that was something I could relate to. Mm-hmm. So it just ended up becoming more of a conversation. I think they bought into my experience. But certainly those early days, there was a lot of research, a lot of reading, uh, a lot of personal time spent kind of upskilling myself in the, in the respective markets. But as always, you learn the most from getting out there and talking to people. And so that's what I did. I threw myself into it. Um, I, I like to think of myself as a relatively fearless individual. You know, I'll meet things head on. So I just threw myself into it. But, you know, I have to credit where credit is due. The support that I got from Lawrence and the support that I got from, from Paul was extensive. I mean, their experiences is phenomenal, really phenomenal. If you look at the things they've achieved in their career, um, you know, it's, it's really something to be reckoned with. Well, that's, that was, that's where my brain's going with this conversation, actually, is where, where do you see... Like if I look at you now, I'm getting that young, innovative, forward-thinking, future leader, owner mindset, right? But then you're backed and supported by people that have built businesses in a previous era. Mm-hmm. Super successful. I've heard loads of amazing things about Paul. Um, I've never spoke to him, actually, but we, we had a chat on LinkedIn not too long ago. Um, what, how does that dynamic work then for you? Because like, you, know, you can't build a business, I don't think, that's built in the 1990s and 2000s you've got to think about the the next gen now mm-hmm. what how do you bring how do you what's your approach to sucking the information you need from those guys but making to today tomorrow's business as relevant as it can be yeah i mean look i, I think although paul and lawrence uh, kind of have built businesses in in the 90s and the 2000s they are still i consider to be incredibly forward-thinking individuals you know think about the covid piece for example Paul and Lawrence were both talking about this at the back end of last year as it was kind of popping up on right. the news. They were going, this is going to explode. We need to be one so, step ahead. So, they're, they're, so they've been moving forward with it, right? Which yeah, so they've, they, they've been, yeah, and then very much kind of asking for detail from myself and, and JC, who's the Director of Life Sciences, about what's the market saying. Well, kind of how, how the dynamic works, that, you know, they're very open to ideas, incredibly open to ideas. Um, when we get into the boardroom, it's a very honest, it's a very transparent, it's a very um, robust at times dialogue. But what's said is said and it's said for a reason and you, you kind of move on very, very quickly. Um, but in terms of how the dynamic works, uh, very supported, I, you know, they, they invest a lot in the people. I think one of the really unique things about Umbilical, um, and, and this, is, this is really for anyone looking to join what I consider to be the most progressive business in the Midlands from a recruitment perspective. Anyone that's looking to join, people that, that certainly the consultants that work here, in some respects are spoiled with regards to the experience they have an opportunity to tap into. Yeah, yeah. So if I think back to my time at Corden, um, as a consultant, you may see your MD or your director possibly once a quarter or once, uh, once, a, once a year, whatever, it's an AGM or in the branch, whatever. Yeah? And it's not just called, it's any business of a large, large size. 
consultants here, they have regular contact with their directors, first and foremost, myself and JC. But then in addition to that, they have the opportunity to tap into and be coached by people like Paul, people like Lawrence, which in any other organisation, you just wouldn't have access to that, that knowledge, you know? So I think that's one of the things that's really unique about our organisation is that Paul and Lawrence are very generous with their experience and very willing to share and willing to, to impart their experiences and their knowledge. And the kind of our approach is quite holistic, yeah. not just necessarily on a professional development level, but also we look to develop people personally as well. Because, you know, this is, for some individuals, this is their first job out of university. Yeah, is that, what, what's the plans then? What, what's the future look like? What you, the North Star vision for you guys? Yeah, okay. So certainly this year, I think the last 12 weeks has kind of been about rationalising everything that we've got in front of us and, and, and looking at uh, how we get the most out of the resource that we've got. We, the markets that we're in, we're not in all the markets that we want to be in. You know, there's some very specific areas of growth that we want to move in. Um, there are additional geographies, you know, we're, we're in parts of Europe, we're not across the whole of Europe. So, you know, that's kind of being driven by our clients. We're being asked to do more by our clients in, in, in different geographies. So I guess uh, very kind of mid, mid-term is to add numbers into the existing markets we're in um, and also into new geographies. Um, I think giving people the platform to launch their own businesses within either under the umbilical umbrella or uh, by utilizing the uh, UV model that Paul and Lawrence have got, which is a a platform for for people to to launch their own business. Mm -hmm. So um, I think really, yeah, I'd say more so than anything, it's about uh, consolidating everything that we've got and adding to it. That's kind of the the midterm strategy, I think. Or tactic, I should say. I like it. I like it. What What would you say you've learned the most about yourself in this lockdown, Ben? Um, about myself. Yeah. What, what What We've all had reflection time. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. Absolutely. Uh. I think it's both. Obviously, it's quite difficult when you go into lockdown. You You kind of have to start managing more closely by numbers because that's all you have at your disposal. You don't have the kind of the daily touch points. So that's probably the piece. I think one of the bits for myself, um, I think I'm, in, I'm an incredibly positive individual. Um, and I think sometimes blind optimism can creep in for anyone that is, uh, that is very positive and enthusiastic. And I think that's the piece that has really resonated with me over the last 12 weeks. I've, I've, I've I've become maybe a little bit more battle-hardened to looking at things really critically. Um, you know, the, the ability to say no to bad business and yeah. go, actually, I can take it or leave it. And at this time, I'm going to leave it because there's no point. So I think that's what I've learned about myself. Um, you know, there's a book, actually, I've been reading. I've just finished it today. It's called Surrounded by Idiots. Um, yeah. Okay. Forget, forget the writer, sorry. But... Um, Surrounded by idiots. It's basically about that, like, you know, the personality quadrant of reds, yellows, greens, yeah. and blues. Um, so from what you, you sound a bit like me, where you're probably like a yellow slash red, where, you know, you're very optimistic, quite creative, chatty, personable. Um, and we, we then find ourselves, it, this book's brilliant. It explains like, you know, what motivates you, 
what gets you excited, how to, you know, what gets you really frustrated, how to deal with people in certain situations. And then when you, when I'm reading it, I'm trying to like Im- imagine myself and my colleagues and my family and, and then working out Christ, I'm, I definitely do drop the bollock a lot of the times so with the way I communicate, I, I don't consider other people and their thoughts. I just consider it the way I would want to receive information. Yeah, I, totally. I'm, I'm really guilty of that sometimes really guilty. Ah. I think. Particularly, so when you asked about the dynamic earlier on, so Lawrence and Paul, senior individuals, sometimes they just need the headlines. Yeah. And uh, it's a bit of a learning curve for me. I want to give the detail because that's that's how I would want to receive the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, again, that's something I've, I've learned during, during lockdown. But I think as, as, as kind of cliche or sycophantic as it, it may sound, one of the things that I've learned the most is I've learned an awful lot about the people that work with me. So the consultants, I have been amazed by their resilience. You know, you've got some individuals that moved, moved to Leicester for the job. You've got other individuals that have moved out of home and bought their own house or started renting their first property, whatever, and then lockdown hit. And so all of a sudden they're thrown into this environment where they're working by themselves. They've got less than 12 months experience or rather less than 18 months experience. And they're doing deals. They're doing deals in lockdown with businesses in a different country. That you speaking to them in, a, in their second language, and you and then at the end of the day they're going, "Thanks for all your support." And I'm like, "No, thank you." Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I've learned is just how resilient the people we have within our business. And I said this. Uh, I said we had a strong crew going into it. I think we're really we, we've come out as a, an even tighter group of individuals as the back end because you know we, we kind of we would run through walls for each other so i've been amazed by their resilience and that's that's definitely something that i will learn and take from this whole situation and, and cherish and I've, I've got nothing but for respect for the people that have uh, have gone through this at umbilical i love that ben i think that's a really nice place to finish the show what um what i'd love to do is get keep an eye on your journey and, and get you back in in the future because I, I genuinely i love the energy i love the passion i love the optimism i'm i'm, I'm definitely on your wavelength i'm not um I'm, i can be critical i think it's sensible to be critical but at times like this more than ever you know optimism optimism lifts us right it just lifts us it lifts people around you and i'm not always the leader of it sometimes i need to be lifted but i try i, I, I definitely focus most days on how can I be the best version of myself, the best version for others? Yeah. And that, um, I get the same vibe off you. So I've, I've really you, enjoyed it. You, you take the learn, don't you? You take the learn from every situation. And if you fail, you take the learn, then you know you can go ahead and, and win. And that's kind of the, the ethos and the mentality here at Umbilical. And it's kind of how I, I try and live my professional life. So yeah, Sean, thank you. I think what you've done over the last 12 weeks by providing a commentary to the industry has been exceptional. So all power to you and, and the RAG report. And it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you very much, thank my you. friend. Well, look, thanks for listening. And guys, I really hope you've enjoyed another show. Um, I, uh, I've been in, I mean, it's been incredible, the, the feedback this week from releasing the 50th episode. A bit weird on my own, really enjoyed it. But um, the, the feedback's been incredible. So thank you to everyone who's listened and, and, and sent me a message. Um, uh, we are... We are heading into uh, a new world. Uh, this podcast is all about helping, helping you guys 
deal with what's going on at the moment, but also getting excited and optimistic about where we're heading as a sector because there's some really exciting times ahead. Um, if you enjoyed the show and you enjoyed the show in general, do me a favor. I don't ask for you to give me any money to listen, but I, I want you to share the show. Give it, give it in WhatsApp, text, email to whoever you think would benefit from the business because together we're all going to get through this and be stronger. I'll be back again tomorrow with more insights. In the meantime, you stay safe and I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online. And we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now. We're managing the marketing for. So that involves strategy, content creation, distribution, systems process, and leads generated. Having been recruiters and marketeers, we can not only build your brand, but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.